1: welcome again and welcome back to blog talk radio i'm john fisher and this is the catch and we on tuesdays we like to have a special guest that we can talk to and question about all sorts of things about life in general and uh Putting putting faith and life together is what this show is all about. And tonight uh, we have not going to be new to most of you because he's a he's a major part of our ongoing catch community. But uh, we want to talk about one particular subject uh, tonight that we haven't really we haven't delved into that much to tell you the truth. And it's a subject in which our guest is very much involved with. And uh, uh, a very important part of our community and very important part of the arts. And, um, and that is the whole idea of poetry. Um, And uh, our guest if uh, 20 years ago, uh, John, if I had told you you would be uh, uh, involved in poetry slams in a bar in Chicago, that this would be a big deal in your life, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I doubt you would have believed it. And uh, so let's start right there with our guest, John Shirk, um, Let's just talk this whole idea of poetry slam and and, and how you got going with this. Um, and then I want to really delve into the whole idea of what what poetry is. We have a second guest with us today, by the way, as uh, Annie right here, who uh, she likes to be with me in my office, and we we call it. Uh, you know doggy daycare is what we call it and uh but i didn't expect her to be taking part um but at least he's going to take part so um john <laughs> tell us tell us about tell us a little bit about poetry slams because i uh honestly i never even heard
0: about it until i heard about you Thanks for having me, John. Um, poetry yeah. slam, you're right. Uh, about 20, a little over 20 years ago, if you just said, John, you're going to be doing poetry, you're going to be writing poetry, you're going to be going to poetry slams and open mics, it's going to be a big part about what you do. I would have just laughed in your face because I thought poetry was, you know, the stuff they make you read in high school and literature classes and stuff for blue-haired ladies. Yeah. Um, but I got to Chicago, and I was looking for communities I could be involved in and places I could connect with people. And I got pulled into an open mic and a poetry slam. And just to give the listeners an idea about what a a poetry slam is, poetry slam was invented back in the 80s here in Chicago by a guy named Mark Smith who wanted to get his – he was a construction worker, and he wanted to get his construction worker buddies to listen to poetry. And his construction worker buddies felt about poetry kind of the way I used to, that this just wasn't anything for guys. This is you know, this isn't a man's thing, this is a this is an old fashioned whatever. So they weren't really interested and Mark decided that two things that men like competitive sports and drinking. And he decided <laughs> that if he made poetry into a competitive sport in a bar, maybe he could get just the common man to be interested. And he was absolutely correct. Um, poetry Slams has been wildly successful There's Poetry Slams all over the world now And it's become kind of the grassroots You know, there's, there's poetry that's in journals And it's academic And, you know, for the university crowd Which is kind of what everybody thought poetry was But Poetry Slams is really just a common man Using poetry to express what they think What they believe And, uh, and communicate um, in, a, in a more powerful way Than just to talk so if I invited you to a poetry slam, you'd, you'd come in, and they might ask you to judge because they like getting judges that don't know anything about poetry or poetry slams. Hmm. And basically eight or nine poets would get up, and they'd pour out their heart and soul on the stage one at a time in a piece of original poetry, and you or whoever the judges were would rate their heart and soul on a scale of one to ten. And then you, at the end, kind of like the Olympics, you add up the numbers, do a little math, and mm-hmm. you declare a winner. But the point really is not about who wins or loses. The point is about an audience for people to uh, hmm. express themselves and express their art in poetic ways.
1: Well, that sounds really cool.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, Oh, it
0: is. It is. I, I couldn't believe it when I got, when I got pulled in and, and saw it. But I was like, I never liked poetry, but I love communication. I love public speaking. And I, I got I to gotta be a part of this. I got um, to learn how to do this. Well, okay.
1: Let's let's talk then a little bit about poetry because it's such a misunderstood thing, you know, uh I think and people have all sorts of esoteric ideas about what poetry is and and it's also, you know, most people think that Really good poetry, no one's gonna understand except just a few people who get the hidden meaning. And uh, the idea is how how well can you bury what you really want to say in it? You know, there's there's just a, a lot of stuff like that going around that that people have various ideas about. Maybe we should just back up a little bit and and ask an impossible question. <laughs> Because it's just kind of like, what is art? You really can't answer that. There are 15,000 million answers to that question. So we're going to say, what is poetry? Um, If you had to define it, uh, can, can you even begin?
0: I would probably define poetry as art with words. Mm. Um, just like there's lots of different kinds of art, um, different kind of paintings and different styles of paintings. There's different kinds of poems and styles of poems. There's form poems that follow strict rules. There's rhyming poems. There's free verse. There's all kinds of different styles. But basically, it's just art with words. Um, I like to think of it as communicating, but, but also communicating using more than words. It's not just the words. It's the sound of the words and mm. metaphor and literary devices simile and symbolism and all of these things so that it's not just a matter of the dictionary definition of the word it's it's all of the meaning you can load into a piece of writing wow. um, and you're and you're right sometimes it's really difficult to understand sometimes it takes a lot like there's poems where i got to read them several times to try to begin to figure out what they mean Sometimes probably I'll never know what the poet was fully meaning when he was writing. And that's okay. Um, Just like when you Mm -hmm. see a piece of art, you probably don't know everything that went into why they chose the colors and why they painted that particular scene. Um, But it's just, it's, yeah, art with words, I guess is what I would say. So yeah, if art's hard to define, well, art with words would also be hard to define. So it's a little more, uh, you know,
1: uh like prose is is actual literal writing out thoughts and uh but a poetry in comparison would be more expressive maybe I, i'm thinking of uh if you're going to think about art maybe uh maybe prose would be like a, a realistic painting and poetry might be like an impressionistic painting that doesn't – you know, you don't even know what exactly you're looking at, but you're getting an impression of something from what you're looking at. Is that possible? Um,
0: well, I I don't know a lot about art, uh, okay. visual art. So that's difficult for me to answer, but but with, with poetry – the difference between poetry and prose, prose is just – you don't – it's just the meaning is just there. The, okay. the car was red. Um, mm-hmm. Poetry, poetry uses more than just the meaning of the words. It uses word pictures. It uses all kinds of tools. And yeah, sometimes it's this more emotion, more feeling, more like. Um,
1: hmm. Yeah,
0: you're right. We're we're having trouble defining it because it's hard to define. Um, <laughs> but but to give you a to give you a quick definition, I asked when I got started learning to do spoken word poetry. I asked somebody once, I said, you know, I want to learn how to do this. I want to write poetry. But I'm having trouble because, like, there's not a bunch of rules where you just know that if you have this kind of meter and this kind of rhyme, you know, it's not like what I always thought poetry was, which had strict. It's really impressive the way you guys wrote. But how do you know, like, what makes it a poem? How do you know it's a poem? (laughs) And the answer, I got surprised me a little bit. The guy says, well, it's a poem when you call it a poem. (laughs) <laughs> I, said, I got one that's a letter to the, the host of the open mic there, and it's basically a letter like anybody would write, but I broke it in lines, and I call it a poem, and that makes it a poem. Now, I'll, I will add to that, oh. you can call anything a poem. That doesn't make it a good poem. Um, so the, the definition of poetry, like everybody's kind of got their own definition, but for me, good poetry packs a lot of meaning in a small space and uses a lot of creative – Literary devices and a lot of um, a, a lot of artistic use of words in order to do it.
1: That's, yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I would
0: have okay. said.
1: Um, I think most people would agree. There's a certain amount of mystery around poetry. Um, yes. Why? Why is that? Do you think? Why? Why is po- poetry so mysterious Has it become so mysterious? <clears throat>
0: Well, I, I think part of it is because of uh, poetic license. So sometimes I'll hear a poem, and it sounds like somebody is talking about something that was really difficult that happened in their life, maybe uh, you know some trauma from growing up or whatever. And if, if they just wrote prose about it, it would be really obvious. I'm talking about the fact that my dad beat me every evening when I was a kid. But in a poem, because you're using literary devices and metaphors and symbolism and all these other things, there's kind of a veil where you're not really sure is this like I, I, I think I know what there means and it's it's giving me this feeling that but don't um but but the it it's again it's kind of hidden a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes and sometimes poets use poetic license to just change details and change things. So that also makes it like you don't know is this person writing about a particular event or are they just writing fiction. Um and so hmm. for me that's that's part of the part of the challenge is you hear stuff and it sounds like somebody's saying something but until you engage the person and talk sometimes um you're not really sure whether this is just creative writing or um, and I, and I would also add that anytime you use metaphor and symbolism and allegory and those kind of literary tools, the yeah. question always arises, like, what does the metaphor stand for? And people can come to all kinds of crazy interpretations about what the sun in this poem represents, you know, what the, what the storm represents, you know, is this, is this a... A political statement, is this talking about a particular issue? You know, literary devices just have a way of doing that. They, they put the truth out there in a way where you're not always sure what, they're, what they mean.
1: Ah. Could we say that, uh, you know, that illustration you just brought about uh, somebody, uh, maybe, maybe somebody was, was beaten uh, by a parent when they were a child, and they could write out write that out exactly what happened and and maybe even write what it felt like. But I have a feeling if they wrote a poem about that, it would almost feel like it was happening right then to you. Is that is that possible
0: it 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 could you know it's the difference between a police report where it's just a facts, mm-hmm. just the facts and use plain language and and uh and a, a parable or a metaphor where you know they could they could the poem might actually not even be about a child it might be about a boat in a storm and you might sense the dread and the fear and the chaos and the danger and the waves that are buffeting and all of this stuff, and, and in the poet's mind, they are putting to words what happened to them as a child. But to the reader, you know, you, you don't have all the facts. You just have this kind of picture of this dreadful storm where the waves are rocking the boat and the water's coming in and I don't know if I'm going to make it and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, and, good, and, and really good poets can, can pretty much pretty much put you in tears when you, mm. uh, yeah. when you hear the way they, they, they describe, um, you know, or, or they can just, I mean, it goes the other way too. They can be joyful and, and humorous and all kinds of just poetry just cranks up the emotion in many cases
1: uh, in a way
0: that prose doesn't. Yeah. And and the feeling.
1: All right. That's great. Um,
0: uh,
1: Uh, I, I don't know, but maybe other people feel like this, but I'm, I'm rather intimidated by poetry. I think it's mainly because um, a lot of times it's beyond, I feel like it's, it's beyond me. Um, It it seems like, it, it seems like on the, I'm on the outside and everyone is getting it but me you know um is that normal is everyone really getting it or are they just acting like they're getting it or you know it is uh, well let's get back to that intimidating factor i'm i'm wondering when you started out um w- did you feel intimidated uh in the beginning oh, yeah. by the, these oh, people yeah. and by this group and
0: did you feel like i could never do this kind of thing I mean, it's some of the some of the talent with words, some of the wordsmiths are just amazing. And and that that's intimidating. And also sometimes, yeah, there's there might be something that I really, really like, but I just know there's layers and layers in this that I'm still not I've still not got to. And I think that's okay though. I think it's okay to appreciate and enjoy a poem even though you know that you probably don't fully understand everything. And sometimes, you know, somebody will read a poem and I'll like it and I'll talk about it later. And then later when we get talking, I'll find out they had way more, they put way more into that than I ever saw. Um, You know, for me, it was an amazing picture and it was, it was great and and I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't begin to touch everything that they, they were thinking when they wrote it. But that also makes it great because it gives me an excuse to, you know, read the poem again and, and play with it and think about it and, um, and talk to the poet and, you know, engage in relationship, which is one of the great things about open mics and poetry slams is they build community Hmm. where uh, people listen to each other's art and you talk about it and you get to know each other in new ways and you learn Hmm. about uh, people's story. And, um, and so, yeah, the fact that I don't get it all the time right away just gives me an opportunity to, to to dig deeper if, I, if it's something I want to and maybe connect with the person that wrote it and say hey, this line stumped me. What did you mean? You know. Hmm. Mm.
1: Uh, talk. That's that's fascinating. Talk a little bit more about the community that uh, has grown out of these poetry slams.
0: What what does that entail? This is a place where people come together around art. And they share their stories, and they listen to each other, and they support each other and um and and you know people oftentimes do talk about hard things that happen and hard things that are happening and that they're going through, and um the ones I've been involved in it's amazing the way people um are there for each other and encourage each other. I had a friend who was involved in one on the West Coast. This guy was a Christian, and he showed up at the open mic, and they found him as a Christian. And, and the guy says, hey, the host says, hey, this is church for us. You know, Be careful about how you, how you, how you interact because this is like our church. And huh. I thought, in a sense, that's, that's what church ought to be, a place where we can go and tell our stories, and people can know us, and we can know people, and we can encourage each other. And, um, and, and the open mics I've been involved in have been that kind of place.
1: Do uh, do some of these relationships go beyond just the, you know, the the event itself, and do people meet together. They call each other up. Do they meet for lunch and do, do they, that kind of thing? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Now it's like it's like any community. There's some people that are closer to you know. It's not that everybody. I don't want to make this sound like everybody's. It's a perfect place where everybody gets along so well. It's the same kind of drama as you get in any community or any family. But there's a lot of amazing relationships that grow out of these events where you know you see them once a week. I've got people that I – you know, I've got one guy that I – back before COVID when it was, everything was live, we'd always meet before the event for an hour or two and get dinner and talk. And um, I've had other people where uh, when people are sick, we've been, you know, helping each other get groceries – like during COVID, get groceries for people that have COVID. You know, people in the community support each other. Um mm. Like hmm. we all want, so that's that's another beautiful thing about this uh, this whole thing. It's a community community gets built around this art form, and I suppose there's other things that build community. I imagine there's softball teams that become communities, and there's bowling right. leagues where people build community. <laughs> so this is just one that I happen to get involved in. <laughs>
1: okay, um, let me put this. This this uh, we talked a little bit about. What intimidated you first um, w- when you came into this group? Uh, this is a similar question, but it comes at a little bit different angle. What what did you have to overcome to get in this to join this group? Was there something that some things that you had to overcome in yourself?
0: I mean, probably more things in my head. Um, huh. See, I, uh, I I got connected in a little bar in Chicago. And it was a bunch of younger folks predominantly and much more urban and much, you know, um, and I'm more, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in a rural area from a very different background. Um, you know, I, like, like you said, I'm a person of faith and, and uh, I didn't know, I was nervous that my faith wouldn't fit there. Um, you know, cause, cause this, this was a new community it was different for me. And I was, I was nervous that they wouldn't accept me if they found out who Mm -hmm. I really was, which isn't that, but isn't that everybody's fear? Probably everybody else at the open mic feels like even no matter how much you grew up in the thing, you know, you feel like people won't accept me if they find out who I really am. If they knew the truth about me, Mm. um, they won't accept me. So I had to overcome some of that and I had to learn a new culture a little bit and, um, be humble enough to listen and, uh, and questioned some of the beliefs i had and some of the 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 ways i had grown up where the the assumption was that all these crazy artistic people in the city were a little bit nuts and you know not to be trusted and all that kind of like they're they're, they're kind of whatever that that's kind of what i came into this thinking and i had to i had to like listen and get to know people and realize that was that wasn't totally true they were just a lot like everybody else um, hmm. and they were very accepting of me and they've been accepting of my faith that you know I was I was nervous that would be something they would they would be against um, but that's never that's never been a problem either
1: huh. why do you think that is because I have a feeling they have a lot of may have uh A lot of difficulty with, like, the church or with Christians in general or the politics of most Christians. Uh, My guess is they have a hard time with that. Uh, Well, yeah, the the country is pretty polarized right now,
0: and the the country is polarized right now, and my wonderful artistic friends in Chicago are on (laughs) kind of the other side of that polarization from a lot of my – Christian friends in smaller towns and rural areas, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason, though, that it worked because there was an actual relationship involved. Mm. I think most of the polarization comes from hearing about people far away that I don't understand, mm-hmm. that I disagree with, and, you know, it's easy to assume the worst about such people. And sometimes what we hear in the media about from either side, whether you're, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a Christian conservative or a liberal artist, sometimes what we hear isn't fair to the other side. Um, and when I right. hmm. entered this community, humble enough to say I want to listen and I want to learn about these folks before I make these judgments, and I want to I want to put aside the kind of pre pre-existing judgments that maybe I'd had and to get to know these people. Um, and they did the same with me. Um, we found that, yeah, there was a lot we had in common and, um, and, you know, a relationship can, you know, love covers a multitude of sins says the good book. And I think, uh, love is all about relationship and in a relationship, we're able to develop love that can, Overlook some of the disagreements and some of the um, some of the culture clashes that that uh, maybe make us uncomfortable.
1: Wow, wow, um, well, let's let's talk about a little more about that and a little more about um, your faith because I, I'm I'm curious as to how it works into what you do. Um, are you able to write poems? uh, from a Christian point of view, where you're you know struggling with your faith in some way or or having a are you able to write something where you're just full of praise to
0: god does that can you do is that work <laughs> well, so um what I've learned about poetry, remember it's art with words
1: mm-hmm. art
0: reveals the soul of the artist it just sneaks out, and that by the way that's been codified in law in this country, um, that you know artists maintain a certain amount of rights to their uh, artwork even after they sell it, and uh, because art, because art reveals the soul of the artist. What I've discovered is when I write uh, honest poetry about my faith, it, they're fine with it. If I were to try to write beachy poetry about what they should believe, well, they're going to be bothered. But then so would I. Um, <laughs> if if I write, so I just I just write about life. I, I have poems about minivans because when I started this, I was a you know middle aged guy with small girls, you know four four daughters, and I drove minivans. And so I've got several minivan poems. It's just a part of my life that just snuck into my poetry. I've got poems about my daughters. I've got poems that are just funny. But, yeah, I've also got poems about faith. I'm working on a project right now where I'm writing poems inspired by the Gospel of John. Hmm. And um, just looking at stories in Scripture and trying to let that, you know, and sometimes the poem pops right out, and other times I really struggle. Um, But, yeah, and they they welcome that.
1: Hmm. Cool. Okay. Can you give us a, a quick example, John? Maybe of one of your poems that 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 has uh, some example. kind of a faith issue in it, or a, a, am I catching on the spot?
0: Just a second. Let me see if I can pull something <laughs> up here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, well, here's one. Here's one from uh, my series on the the Gospel of John. Okay. It's called the Lost, the Lost, it's from John 8, The Lost Words of the Sacrificial Poet. She stood there wrapped in a blanket, pulled from a bed of illicit passion, embarrassed, humiliated, guilty. Her accusers clutched chunks of granite, ready to uphold the law. Young children were sent away. They mustn't see what would take place. Older ones were forced to watch. Let this be an example, a warning. They presented her to the sacrificial poet to pronounce judgment. But he just went down, put his finger to the sand, and began to write. They became impatient. They badgered him with questions. You know the law. She must die. He interrupted his inscription. Let the one without sin throw the first stone. They looked at each other. He agrees she should be stoned. But who goes first? No one dared presume perfection. But they had heard rumors about this poet, that he had no sin. Maybe he wanted the honor for himself. Tried to hand him a rock. He just kept writing. One by one, stones dropped. The mob grew still. One by one, accusers left. Until the cowering woman looked up and saw only one man. The only one qualified to judge The only one qualified to condemn The only one Who could throw the first stone Where are they Has no one condemned you He spoke softly No sir She quivered Then neither will I Go and sin no more Two thousand years later Men wonder What did he write For the sacrificial poet spoke often But wrote only once But the one time he wrote, he wrote powerful words, dispersing a mob, dispensing mercy. What were those words? No one knows. For when he finished writing, there was no one left to read them, except a teary-eyed woman who told no one the words of the poet who gave her a second chance. Right, so <laughs> it's just you know the woman caught adultery in John eight, and I just re kind of told it in a, in what seemed poetic to me, um, yeah. and I've read that numerous times at different open mics. and it always gets a a, a positive response. Now you know some people might think might not everybody most people are Christian there, and they they might have their own opinions about faith and religion, um, and that's okay. But, uh, you know, they, they generally, they clap politely at the very least. And sometimes I, it starts a conversation. Um, sometimes I end up talking to people who maybe did grow up in church and have struggled with things. And, and you know, they, they want to discuss um, the, the hard things that have happened to them. And, and that makes for, you know, an opportunity for me to be a part of that community that encourages each other.
1: Wow. Well, John, this went way too fast. Um, I knew it was <laughs> going to happen that way, but um what a beautiful story uh and I love that poem you brought me to tears, and uh this just uh was was wonderful just to hear hear how this whole thing has worked out in your life, and uh may it be an encouragement to the rest of us to find areas where we can express ourselves and groups where we can take part and and get out of our little lonely separateness and and put ourselves out there and see what happens um, that's an adventure and it certainly sounds like you've been on quite an adventure john so thank you so much for sharing it with us thank you john Okay, everybody, I'm sorry, but we're done. Uh, I want to turn you on to uh, John's book. He has a book about all this, and it is called Sacrificial Poet. John, where can they get the book? Uh, Just Amazon? Is that possible?
0: It's on Amazon, yeah.
1: Good deal. Sacrificial Poet. A
0: Sacrificial poet. Poet. A Sacrificial Poet
1: by uh john shirk s-h-i-r-k if this has interested you and you want to find out more about it uh that would be a great way to do it and meanwhile um thank you so much john and uh god bless you with uh wherever you go from here (laughs) all right everybody cool all right find a place there's a, a place the where you belong.
0: John it's on it's
1: not radio. in some comfortable Connecting
0: place where everybody
1: believes the same We're thing. It might to get be out there where they're all trying to help their fellow man. And that's the and we help look at you better. and this What's Find it us it next week man. on Blog Talk Radio. Connecting life to face.